Nick pulled my name out of the bag or something <laughs> for today. Uh, oh, this is fine. Okay, so we sort of, so I've read a couple of chapters of his book and we're sort of carrying on. So Nick's asked me to talk about hospitality um, and really, obviously, hospitality for us is a, um, it's Angela that really does it. <laughs> but thank goodness for the barbecue because <laughs> that uh, shares the workload a wee bit. Um, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit about the parable of the feast. But, you know, hosp- hospitality can be awkward. And I've sort of, I re- remember the first time, I think this is the first time I went and stayed with a friend um, from school. Uh, must have been about six or seven. And I went, you know, and I, my parents obviously told me how to behave and, you know, eat the food and do what you're told. Um, so I went and stayed with my friend. And... I think it was a summertime, it was certainly in the afternoon, I was about six or seven years old, and my friend's father offered me a sip of beer. And I was from a strictly teetotal, no alcohol family. I even knew this when I was six or seven, so it must have been pretty well ingrained in me. So I had a dilemma, um, because drinking was bad, but saying no was bad as well. <laughs> so I'm not sure if you can guess what happened. I said yes. <laughs> I had a sip of beer uh, because it was rude not to. And I went home and confessed. <laughs> so how did it go? Oh, Mr. Power offered me a drink of beer. What did you say? Yes. <laughs> anyway, my parents obviously didn't um, sort of flip out because I kept a friendship with that boy, so <laughs> kept going there. Um, so yeah, hospitality can be awkward. Um, and what is hospitality? You know, it means a lot of different different things to different people, and I think that's a, that's a cultural thing as well. Um, and I think Angela and I both, in our own ways, have the, um, what we call it, the benefit of having hospitable parents. So it's something that's been uh, modeled to us. I mean, Angela's parents are great entertainers, um, my parents have people in the house and, you know, it was just a farmhouse and you just people would come and eat and work and do whatever was needed. So um, I think we've had it modelled to us, so that's a, that been an important part of our journey, I think. Um, so does hospitality look like this? That's Angela's family, and that's you know, obviously at a nice restaurant. Um, or does it look like that? Uh, hospitality can look like all of those things, and, and a little bit, in, quite a lot of things in between as well. Um, so we come to the parable of the feast. I'm over this side. Um, so Jesus was actually sort of, he was visiting with a leader, a Pharisee, and he was a little bit um, on show in a sense. He was being given the, um, what do you call it, the inquisition about different practices that he was doing and, and faith and things. And, but Jesus said back to his host, who was a well-to-do person, uh, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, 
you'll be paid at the resurrection of the righteous. And so it was quite a challenge to the Pharisees about who he associated with and, and what he expected from hospitality. And I guess there's a message there um, not to expect, uh, not to do hospitality for the reward, but to do it for the actual value that's in hospitality, the value that's connecting with people, the value that's getting to know people and um, having them enrich your life as well as you um, perhaps enriching their lives. But I guess it's um, hospitality is, in that sense, an opportunity to fellowship together. It's not a goal in itself, but it's a, it, it creates an atmosphere to um, get to know people, get to share about your lives, um, to actually get to understand people, understand their culture, their background, where they're coming from, um, and just to get to know them better. So Angela's going to jump up now, I hope. Um, there's, a, there's a screenshot of Angela and Patrick in, during lockdown. This was a, this was a um, little video I took. We're not going to look at the video. We're not going to look at the video, but Angela and Patrick were having a cook-up during lockdown. Um, but Angela, why do you enjoy hosting people? Um, I thought the question was, why do I enjoy hospitality? Anyway. Um, I said to Grant, well, before I can explain why hospitality or hosting is important to me, you have to understand why food is important to me. And food, food is important to me on a number of um, levels. So I'm a nutritionist, for those of you who don't know. So it, at one level, it's very functional. We eat food to get nutrients. Um, we eat food for nourishment, to make sure that our bodies get all the things they need to grow, to be healthy. So food is a gateway to our health. Many would argue that it's not the only thing that influences health, but anyway, we can differ on that point. Um, so, you know, you've got to eat a balance of foods to make sure that you're healthy. And that's really important to me as a nutritionist, um, to make sure that you're really mindful about what you put in your mouth. Um, equally, if you don't put the right things into your mouth, then you can become very unhealthy. Um, and I think, I think Nick made an um, illustration last week about how good God is about recognising, or I guess he created that, but, you know, he could have just given us one food, manna from heaven, that just provided all of our nutritional needs. I don't know if any of you have seen Snowpiercer. There's this scene where the people in the tail, who are the poor people, get given this bar once a day that provides all their nutrients, and it looks absolutely unappetizing. It's disgusting, and you can tell it's disgusting by the looks on their faces when they eat it. But it provides all their nutrients. Um, but God has given us this amazing abundance of food. Um, I have the privilege of traveling around the world and seeing food in all the different parts of the world, and even that kind of strikes me as something really amazing about our God, that different foods grow in different climates, and yet God has made sure the foods that grow in different climates provide the nutrients that we all need to grow and develop. So that's the functional end of, of food for me. Then there's um, the importance of um, food, and I guess recognizing that you need our world, our earth, to grow food. And so kaiti aikanta is really important to me as well. So recognizing that um, we're going to inherit this world, this earth, this planet. That is our inheritance. We need to look after it. And we need to recognize that to grow food, 
you use sick resources like water and soil nutrients. And so if that food doesn't get used for its highest purpose, which is feeding people and nurturing and nourishing people, then it go, and it goes to waste, that's such a waste of the Earth's scarce and precious resources. So being really mindful about um, what we do with food and how we use food is really important. And that's a bit of a conflict for me when I think about hosting and hospitality, because I like to make sure that there is food in abundance. Uh, I, I ha one of my fears of hosting and hospitality is that we'll run out of food. So I tend to over-cater. So I've got to try and reconcile that whole kaitiakatanga, being um, mindful of our resources and, and not making sure people uh, starve when they come to our place to eat. The other dimension uh, is creativity. So um, I love cooking, I, I love following different recipes and trying new things out and foods from different cultures. Um, again, can conflict sometimes with hospitality when I'm trying a new recipe for the first time with a bunch of people coming for dinner and it doesn't quite work. Um, so, you know, I was, I was coming to that point, I was coming to that point. Um, but I've always loved food, and some of my early memories are cooking pie clips with my grandma in her house on her big old-fashioned um, you know, iron skillet. Um, I used to cook really fancy desserts, you know, things that I couldn't even pronounce. Brandy Alexander cheesecake was my specialty. I was quite young, not even legally old enough to actually drink brandy, but could make the flash uh, desserts. I catered a Chinese banquet for, I don't know, 20 family and friends for my 16th birthday. I just loved cooking, didn't always go well. Again, a bit of a conflict with hosting and hospitality. And so you've got to learn to be a little bit creative and a little bit resourceful if you're gonna try and experiment with food and have people around for dinner on the same day. Um, and then the last thing about, uh, the last dimension about food that's important to me is nakatanga. So generosity, kindness, hospitality, and how that's wrapped around food. And it's not just about having people in our home. We've always been really lucky to have um, relatively big houses where we could bring people in, we could, we could host people, um, except for maybe our first little bed sit where um, if we had more than four of us to eat, someone had to sit on the chest freezer, to, you know, which was a bit awkward getting to the dinner table. But, you know, but we've, we've, we've loved opening a home to people you know, either for a meal or for, for a longer stay. Again, has its rewards and its challenges. Um, but manakatanga is not only for me um, food, not only about hosting people in our home, but actually using food to bless others out of the home as well. So um, again, some of my rich um, experiences being in an amazing church when we had babies and having love and support wrapped around us with weeks of meals provided. And that opportunity to just focus on your baby and not the stress of trying to put food on the table was, was such an overpowering um, um, being on the receiving end of love, but an amazing witness. My mum was, was staying around the time we had our first baby and um, she, she was leaving when we got the meals, so I didn't overlap my mum being there and getting the meals. But my mum, was, who's not a Christian, was blown away to think that people would love us enough to bring us meals. And so I've carried on that service. It's really important to me to support especially new mums or people when they're sick or whatever circumstances. I, I must have made hundreds of meals. I know, I know lots of you do this, I'm not special. Um, but you know, so using food um, to, to serve and provide hospitality outside the home is really important too. Um, I think about that for me. Did I answer your question? No, I'm no, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, I have more questions.
Are there any downsides uh, with being cooked? Yeah. What so can go wrong? What can go wrong? Lots of things can go wrong. My cooking can go wrong. And, um, you know, while hosting is about the people and sharing a meal with, with friends or people you don't know, getting to know people, and I know that that's the focus, but I really can't get past the fact that it, the food is important too, and it's important that the food's edible. Um, so you have to be a bit creative sometimes if it doesn't look quite so great. Um, but yeah, that's probably my pressure that I put on myself is, um, you know, I hate it when Grant springs on me. Oh, by the way, I've invited someone for dinner. It's like, oh my goodness, what, what have I got in the house that I can cook? What can I do? I mean, I always manage to pull something off, but I do go into a bit of a tailspin. And I guess that's something I need to kind of learn to try and do better at is just actually recognising that people just want to come into our home, be with us, and the food is, you know, maybe not the most important part of the meal. Grant is celiacs, and um, that's added another dimension of stress for me, people with intolerances. Um, you know, doing good food that's gluten-free, oh, they're, just, they're, just, they're just a complete con fig, really. You know, you can't make nice desserts that are gluten-free. Oh, you know, I'm sorry all you gluten-free people. Don't mean to be offensive, but that's my reality. So, um, yeah, so things like that are things that can go wrong for me is, is stressing too much about what the food is, stressing too much about how clean my house is, um, stressing too much about whether we'll have enough. But actually, we always enjoy the experience of being with people rather than the food. So, yeah. So in the in the PowerPoint, it talks about uh, you shared about uh, not being people not reciprocating. Uh, over the years, how have you found that? Yeah, it's really interesting because um, when we were first married, I mean, like I said, we have always really enjoyed hosting people, even when we were living on a, a student budget and had, you know, pretty much no money, we still managed to find ways to have people around for dinner. Um, as we worked and were wealthier, um, uh, it wasn't so much of a financial pressure. But I did have moments where, you know, we would entertain all the time before we had kids especially. Every weekend that was my Saturday thing was to prepare a really lovely meal and have friends over. And we didn't get that many invitations back to other people's houses. And I mean, it bothered me on a level of, you know, why don't other people invite us back? Um, I don't think I was bitter or twisted about it. It was just kind of a why. Um, and it kind of came to me one day, I don't know if somebody said something or I just had this realisation that some people had tiny houses. They actually couldn't fit extra people in. Or people had tiny budgets and they actually just couldn't feed any more mouths than their own in a household. Or people didn't have the confidence or maybe the skills to cook a meal that they wanted to put in front of people. And I could relate to that because I stressed about the quality of my own food. So I, I got way past, you know, it's not about inviting people so that you get an invitation back. Although that would be nice if you're trying to develop friendships or something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, if you've been invited back and you've never invited us to your house, then hopefully that alleviates the pressure for me. And I get that people don't want gluten-free people for dinner. It's really nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have my lovely hostess back later. Thank you, dear. Oh, that's Patrick. That's our second son. He loves food. So the parable of the great banquet, and we'll just read through this uh, quickly. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell all those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. The verse said, oh, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. 
Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Um, when I was in a youth group, I think we used to have a song about this, except it went, I cannot come, I cannot come. I've bought me a wife and married a cow. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I still rem- it, it's a way of remembering the, um, the uh, story. Um, I guess it's, um, and, it, and it did remind me though about hospitality in the sense of um, you do make yourself vulnerable when you host something. Um, and it's like, what if people don't come? What if I haven't got any friends? <laughs> um, or what if they just get a better offer? Um, and so there's a vulnerability in, in, be, in being a host and that we sort of have to, how to say, work, at, work our way through. And the, um, the servant came back and reported you know, to his master and the owner of the house became angry and ordered the servant, go out and basically bring in anyone, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, you, what you have ordered has been done but there is still room. The master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get to the taste of my banquet. And, you know, the the master was hurt. He was disappointed. He was frustrated. Uh, But I guess, um, you know, the action was, well, if they're not going to come, someone else will come in. And obviously this is a, a story about God's relationship with Israel and with the Jews, and um, we are the broken, the blind, the poor, the crippled, and the lame. And, you know, Jesus invited us to the banquet with him in, in terms of relationship. So I guess there's, as, as there always is, there's things going on at two levels here in terms of what's our relationship with God, and, and what's, but what's he asking us to do in a, in a practical sense as well. And, you know, it is easy to, uh, it's easy to host people that are like us. It's easy, it's easy to mix with our own, our own group. It is harder to, um, how to say, take that step uh, to, to meet with people that you don't know so well, you don't know so much about, um, but that you might form relationship with whilst enjoying um, company and food. Um, and so, you know, I guess that brings me to this thing of culture and how we cross over, over cultures. And um, there's, there's many different cultures. And, and I've got a, a clip here from a, from a book I read. It's actually, actually a, a biographical book called The Hillbilly Allergy. And it's a story of a, of a young man who was uh, from the uh, Rust Belt and the Appalachian Mountains in America uh, a generation of dysfunction, an alcoholic and drug-addicted mother, um, no father, I think, on the scene, if I remember correctly, uh, but a loving grandmother who took a young boy in, made sure he did his homework, and eventually the young boy became a man and went uh, and got selected to go to one of the top law schools in America and became a very successful law. So that's a, that's a true story. Um, and this is a little video of what happened along that journey. It, the video's a little bit quiet, so hopefully uh, we'll be able to hear it. So that's just, an, I guess, an example of, you know, a guy that came from a culture like a lot of us 
that has one knife and one fork at the table, and he goes into an environment, a new environment, a different environment, where it was very fancy, it was very uh, supposed to be impressive, but it was very awkward and very difficult for him. And I guess we can, uh, when we invite people into our homes, um, you know, each of us have got different cultures, different practices, and um, maybe it's more intimidating for people than what we think. Uh, you know, because hospitality can be this, plastic plates, chips and rice, and a bit of oh, tomato sauce and eggs there, that's in Africa, and plenty of Fanta and Coke. Uh, Uh, but yeah, and food prepared in a different way. Uh, there's even I'm doing a bit of cooking in Africa. Um, so, why is hospitality important? Um, friendship and com companionship can be found around a meal. We get to know each other. We just take time out. It's not quite so rushed. Um, we we have time to be together, and it's a way of interacting with people that perhaps won't necessarily come into into this building or into a church, uh, it's, it's informal. People don't come in with, a, with an agenda or a plan. Um, so we have an opportunity to, you know, interact with people in a different way. Now, now meals at church are great too because we, we're all on the level playing field here. Uh, so we don't have that thing about, oh, what's it like in the home? You know, will I be, will I be you know, um, comfortable in their home or not? Because we're all here together. We all have a level of knowing each other some extent already, so we've got a, a level playing field, which is, which is also great. Um, the people that we have in our home will often be people we work with, uh, people we play sport with, our neighbours, um, and it could be our kids' friends, and I was, I was thinking about our kids' friends, um, and I, I guess I think of my own experience, and my parents let lots of kids come into the house and eat and eat and eat more. Um, I was thinking about Mel and Tui, actually and how much they spend on groceries today, and um, how much they're going to spend on groceries when, you know, they've got three teenage when their three boys are all teenagers, and then they bring home two or three friends each. Uh, so say most of those are boys, so that'll be about 10. And then there might be a couple of girls added in, but the girls don't eat much, so that's... <laughs> the girls don't eat as much as teenage boys, so that, that's well documented. Um, but, it, but it comes at a sort of a cost... But it, it did make me think about um, why kids are so great at hospitality. And partly is that it doesn't come at a cost to them. <laughs> All they want to do is get their mates around and have fun. And then mum and dad pay for the, pay for the groceries. Uh, but I thought that was still a good um, illustration of, you know, what true hospitality and what have you is like. Because they just like, I want to connect with you. I want to spend time with you. And then we eat. Um, and so that was a really interesting, I just, it made me think about, um, do we think of hospitality as coming at a cost to us, or do we see it as something that's just part of our, our life? Um, and I guess there's a challenge, though, in all of this about, oh, we can have lots of people into our house, we can share lots of meals, but how do we turn it into an opportunity to share our faith and and, you know, that's a, I think that's a, certainly a work on for us. It's something that we could be much uh, better at. Um, but, you know, I think back to when we had our housewarming that some of you came to recently. And um, 
There was nothing sort of overt about it. But, you know, I got feedback later that, oh, so-and-so came, and he said he spent all night talking to your Christian friends. <laughs> so we had the house and you did the work. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, I guess that's, um, you know, it shows how we can um, interact. And, you know, we've got, a, we've got some other friends um, that, have, um, that, are, that are Christian people, uh, probably express their faith in a different way to ours. But if you go to their house, it doesn't matter who's there, anyone at all, when you have dinner, you sit at the table, everyone holds hands with the person beside them, and they say grace. And so that's their way of, how can I say, expressing their faith, expressing their, almost their ground rules or their expectations, but it's a natural part of, that's their culture, that's what they do. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I admire that. And I guess that, uh, ah, perhaps it's true. The best way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Now, obviously, that's uh, referring to, you know, all the lovely cooking our ladies do for us and to woo us. Uh, well, it could be the way to a lady's heart. But I guess the, these, what we're talking about here is actually through food is also a way to people's hearts to God. A quote from the book. Jesus didn't open a cafe. He accepted invitations. So I think that's the other side of, of hospitality that we're, we're talking about. And, you know, sometimes he even invited himself in. Um, and I've never really thought about this to the extent uh, that it just sort of picked up in this last week. Jesus didn't um, re- wait for Zacchaeus to invite him home. He said, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I must come to your house today. Um, so that wasn't, that wasn't Jesus standing at the door and knocking. That was Jesus actually barging his way in which is sort of not the Jesus we often think about or talk about. Of course, Zacchaeus was, he was at least curious, otherwise he wouldn't have been up the tree. But it was Jesus that took the initiative and went into Zacchaeus' house and then into Zacchaeus' heart, and Zacchaeus changed his life because of that. Um, And I guess I was comparing that with Revelation 3.20, where, uh, behold, I stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Um, so that's Jesus waiting to be accepted in for us to open the doors of our hearts. But I thought it was um, really, well, quite cool that actually Jesus is describing his relationship with us as actually sharing a meal together. That, that was the context that he put it in. Actually, we're going to do life together, we're going to fellowship together, we're going to eat food together. Um, so Angela might come back up now. Um, and Angela, being a guest can be just as valuable, humbling and relationship forming as being a host. Can you share some things about that? Um, yeah, Definitely. Um, and before I talk about this picture, I guess just some wider comments about being being the guest um, and how that's, I guess, shaped our, our view of, of hospitality as well. You know, I've, I think I said before, I've travelled a lot for my job and um, 
you know, I've had colleagues, overseas colleagues who have welcomed me into their homes when I'm in their country um, for a meal, which is above and beyond their job description. You know, they could just let me stay in the hotel that I'm in and, and get room service or what have you. So I've tried to reciprocate that as well when I've had overseas um, colleagues invite them around to our home. And they're not the same people. Um, you know, it's kind of like paying it forward a wee bit, I guess. Um, but it's that sense again of saying, my home is open to anybody, you know, just because you're not necessarily a friend um, or, or, or someone that I'm trying to build a relationship with locally. You're someone that's important to me and I recognise that you're out of your comfort zone, but come into my home, experience a bit of Kiwi culture. Um, we've, um, we've also been in really humbling situations. We've been invited into people's homes where they had a lot less than what we did. Um, one memory that sticks out for me, Grant, Grant can't remember quite so well, but we were invited for dinner at one of our farm workers' homes once, and we didn't actually know them very well, I'm not even sure if I'd met them, and um, it was summertime, we sat down at the dinner table, and they gave us salad and luncheon meat was the dinner, and I mean, we weren't particularly well off, we didn't eat, you know, really extravagantly, but lunch and sausages were something that I had in my sandwiches at lunch for school when I was a kid. And I was a bit taken aback, and I really hoped that they couldn't see that on my face because I'd be really embarrassed if they thought that I was, um, you know, critical or judging. Um, it, we had a lovely time, and what I remember about that most is that they still invited us into their home. Grant was his boss, and they still invited us into their home. They gave us a very humble meal, and I was really grateful. He's one of very few people that have worked for us over the years that have invited us into their home. Um, so, you know, it's humbling to be on the receiving end of something that someone's maybe kind of really gone out of their way, um, extended themselves to be able to do. The other, another really humbling experience of ours was this picture here. Um, we had the privilege to go to Nepal a couple of years ago, um, kind of partly, partly fun holiday, partly to meet up with some people that were, were doing missions work there, um, a Kiwi guy that's connected to um, a school and training program in Nepal, and anyway, because they knew that Grant was, um, you know, agriculture, um, agriculturalist, told us that they'd take us out one day and, and see some local farmers, and we were supposed to be driving up into the hills and going to this really remote village. Anyway, the weather was atrocious, and um, we gave up about two-thirds of the way on this trip, hours driving on really narrow, muddy roads with torrential rain, and really honestly thinking we are going to slip off the edge of the Himalayas at any time. So we got diverted to this other village. So these people had no idea we were coming. They had not had time to plan or prepare. We just dropped into their backyard. Um, we had a bit of a, you know, bit of a meeting where they shared their experiences of how they do agriculture and farming. And you know, we tried to Grant tried to share with them through an interpreter, um, feeling really humble that you know he's seen as some expert from New Zealand where he knew nothing about the local farming practices. We prayed with them, which was really awesome. And then they wanted us to eat with them. So they walked into their field, picked a couple of dozen uh, cobs of corn, fired up the, the fire and cooked this corn, which was absolutely gorgeous. But they probably fed us their week's worth of food. There was, I don't know, maybe 10 of us um, that they were not expecting to stop in on them that day. And they generously fed us this food. I mean, I've, I was really emotional about it. I felt 
really, really humbled that they would so willingly feed us. We didn't look hungry and we certainly didn't need to be fed. They could have just said, it's been lovely to see you, give us a cup of tea and off you go. Um, but they fed us and um, that will st- stick with us for a long time, won't it? Um, we tried to figure out how we could pay them back or you know, bless them in return or something. I'm sure we, we probably did, but, but they weren't looking for any payment. They just opened their homes to us opened their fields to us and fed us, so, yeah. Thank you. So I'm not sure if William Butler Yates was a Christian, uh, but this is a quote that many of you may have heard before, but I thought we'd just close on that. Um, There are no strangers here, only friends you haven't met yet. And I suppose that's the challenge to all of us when we talk about hospitality. Um, are we going to come and go as strangers or are we going to you know, build relationships and become friends through hospitality? That's us. So I'm also um, going to lead communion and just thought I'd... Um, Sorry, you've heard enough of my voice today, so I'm really sorry. But um, just wanted to actually share my, my communion experience with you. Um, so I grew up in a um, non-Christian family, non-church-going family, so I had really no concept of communion at all. But as a, as a little girl, I actually had quite um, an amazing awareness of, of God, a God that was out there somewhere. Um, it wasn't until I went to a Christian camp, I might have been like maybe late primary school, and heard the story of Jesus, and it was like, and, and I guess the recognition that the reason perhaps that I felt like God was out there somewhere is because actually there was this gap, there was a separation, and I understood, it made complete sense to me that um, Jesus died to pay that price of that separation so that I could enjoy a closer relationship with my God, um, and that, uh, you know, I needed to get on board with that story to, to, to really um, fully um, experience the relationship with God. So anyway, I went to, this, went to this camp a number of times and I went back to my, my family where I didn't have an opportunity to kind of really develop my Christian life. Um, and in one of these camps, I might have been a couple of years older, I thought, oh, I've got to figure out how I can go to church so I can learn a bit more about this church stuff so I can try and be a more consistent Christian, you know. Um, so I had no friends that went to church. I had one friend who's Catholic, and she, you know, every now and then got dragged along to church with her mum. So I said to her one day, can I come to church with you? And she looked at me, she said, really? Sure, okay. Do you know what it's like? I said, no, but, I, you know, I, I want to try and understand. So she dragged me along to a Sunday mass. It was in Latin. And then they went up for Holy Communion. Well, I'd never heard I'd never heard about communion before. I had no idea what it was. And she sort of turned around and, and said something to me like, you can't do this. You've got to go to the classes. Just watch. Okay, fine. So I had this kind of really bizarre impression of, of um, how welcome you were to take part in communion. So it wasn't until I, um, you know, years later, started going to youth groups, started going to uh, another church um, where things were a little bit more normal. And I still really scared about this whole communion thing because no one had really explained to me that Jesus actually said, come to my table, break the bread, eat it, and remember me, remember what I did for you, my body that was broken, my blood that was poured out, 
do it in remembrance of me. You're welcome. You need to come. And actually, you need to come and do it regularly to remember that sacrifice. So that was really cool. But I guess the rest of my experience for communion is, I mean, I mean, absolutely, wow. I'm in awe of, of my Jesus and what he did, his sacrifice, and willingly come and remember what he did. Well, maybe not willingly because I find it really, really hard. But the bit about communion that I really dwell on is the resurrection. I mean, without that, without that absolute expression of God's um, absolute power, absolute majesty, then the equation's not complete. You know, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his death, would have just been martyrdom without the resurrection, without that demonstration that our God is the most powerful, the most awesome. Through that part of that journey, we can actually live full lives as Christians. We have access to our God. We can live in the full power of our Jesus. And so as you come and collect the bread or the crackers or the juice to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that gap that he filled for us enables us to have that close relationship with our God, Remember that awesome power that also came with his resurrection, that power that we've got access to, to live our lives in the fullness that God intended for us. So, so please come.